Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this is our companion episode for Mixie in the Middle, episode 11 of season six of Supergirl. And the topic for today is Kara's legacy, specifically as seen in Mixie and Nia in this episode. And then the ways that it is not as much seen in Nixley. (laughs) And in this final season of Supergirl, we've been periodically taking a look at how the show has been demonstrating Kara's legacy as a hero through her impact on the other characters, especially in 6A, where Kara was trapped in the Phantom Zone. And in particular, in the episode Lost Souls, which featured Alex choosing to act on Kara's values, which she has come to respect and see as heroic. And... We also see that energy in this episode with Alex, with her. Well, you just held hope that you could appeal to the good in someone. It didn't work this time, but you were not wrong to try. Hmm. For this episode in season six, we primarily saw the emotional story of Nia, who is Kara's most prominent mentee. She's had other sort of mentee type relationships, but they were also colored by other more important relationship dynamics, like with Manel and the romantic relationship and Lena being primarily Kara's friend. With Nia, it's a bit more purely that, even though they are also friends, Mm. which you can just tell by the energy that Kara had when she hugged her when she returned in 608. And then we also saw in this episode the story of Mixie, who is a reformed character that we initially saw in season two. So what is interesting about this episode for me is the mixture of both positive and then sort of unintentional ways that Kara's influence has changed people. Which I love for the fact that the show has alluded to, you know, the Wizard of Oz for Kara throughout the whole series and then specifically Wicked, which is an adaptation Mm -hmm. of the Wizard of Oz in season three with regard to like Kara and Lena's friendship and the idea from the show of, I don't know if you've changed me for the better, but you have changed me for sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You've changed me. I mean, generally the show is pretty for the better but you know (laughs) yeah generally speaking supergirl the idea of change is that it's a positive thing Mm -hmm. but within this episode we are seeing nia especially kind of absorbing some of the maybe less great influences of Kara's value system. yeah there's a bit of a complexity there where it's less purely positive and we see it through some of Kara's most prominent values and beliefs, such as like responsibility. <laughs> yes. So with responsibility, there's the general sense of what it means, which is holding yourself accountable for your own choices and then also determining what is right or wrong in order to act upon it. And then there's also the way that Kara internalizes that and what it means to her. Mm-hmm. And so for Kara, responsibility is first recognizing recognizing that you have power to contribute meaningfully to both your own life and the lives of others. Mm -hmm. And then there's a second piece to it, which is that once you've made this recognition, you should put your power or talent or ability to good use. And for Kara specifically, this usually means putting herself in service to others in some way. Right. Yeah. Whether it's literally using her powers or emotionally making herself available or both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which then ties into her other big value, which is stronger together. Yes. And I liked that that came back up again in this episode because that is one of the places where since the beginning of the series, Kara has made a point to very firmly differentiate herself from Clark Mm -hmm. in that this is something she believes in and that it is specifically Kryptonian. 
And more to the point, because, you know, we've been seeing more of Kara relying upon the other people in her network in this part of the season. She actually believes in that. Like, she genuinely appreciates the value of relying upon other people and the idea Mm -hmm. that it's okay to ask for help and you don't have to be ashamed of it. Yeah. That said... She <laughs> she struggles with it sometimes. Because of her abilities that she has on Earth, she tends to see herself as the person doing the helping mm-hmm. rather than the person who needs the help. And so it can be sometimes a struggle for her to recognize when it's her turn. <laughs> yes, this is the series-long struggle yeah. of hers, which we will definitely talk about more in this episode. Yes. But the really nice thing to see here is that she is bringing it up in this kind of wake of returning from the Phantom Zone and seeing her father and kind of trying to reabsorb and come back around to a place where she feels like centered and okay. Mm -hmm. Because that is so much a part of what makes her feel Kryptonian, but she has now shared it with all of her Earth family. So it's a grounding force for her here, which was cool. Yeah, that's nice. And then the third sort of big belief that we see the mentee type characters of Kara's in this episode deal with is the idea that people can change for the better and should be given the chance to is a big thing Mm. with Kara. Yeah. And these three things are very much interconnected relating to like community and and trying to make the world a better place and and being a hero. And for Kara, the reason this question of legacy and impact on the other characters that look up to her is relevant to her personal arc is, you know, going back to that phantom zone fear that we saw, which was that her beliefs and values are like wrong-headed and that she'll be actually the cause of more pain, especially to her loved ones. She said in the Phantom Zone, I was naive and arrogant to think that I could ever actually fix anything. And that fix anything piece will be relevant for Nia. <laughs> and worse, my friends think that they can too. And they're just going to die because of it. I actually really enjoy, in a terrible way, <laughs> the fact that Kara says, and worse, my friends think that they can fix things. Because it's a subtle kind of backhanded acknowledgement of Kara's own influence and that she recognizes the influence that she has. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't talk about that very often, even though she knows that in her role as Supergirl, she aims to inspire people and get them to think, mm-hmm. you know, that change and good things are possible. But here, kind of at her worst, she is saying it like, oh, I do have an impact on people. And that impact is bad news. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is the fear. Yeah. And then it's interesting because in this episode, we have her say, you know, how can I not blame myself? Nixley escaped because of my rescue. Going back to that moment in the Phantom Zone where she's like, I taught my friends. I influenced them to believe that they could do like anything (laughs) and that they could help people and that stronger together. And now it's directed at me and they're trying to rescue me and they're going to die because of that. The wording of it is also nicely done because the whole thing is in the passive voice because none of this was actually Kara's fault. Mm. She didn't make the choice to rescue her. (laughs) You know, Nixley's the one who chose to latch onto the spaceship and come and wreak havoc. Yes. And so she's trying to, like, find a way to blame herself, even though her language (laughs) is revealing that she isn't at fault. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it comes from a place of deep, like in that moment, hopelessness and being like the degree of my wrongness is so like vast that Mm. it goes back to just me influencing my friends. You know, (laughs) I exist. Therefore, Therefore, it is my fault somehow. (laughs) Somehow, which takes us to Nia. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Kara and Nia in this episode both feel responsible for Nixley's escape and subsequent, you know, terrorizing of National City with a giant cat and such. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that cat. Yeah. And we see how they are, you know, burdened with this guilt and feeling of responsibility when the situation is first explained to them by Mixie. And the camera shows in a fun way Kara in the foreground, like with this guilty, stressed out face. And then she walks forward and the camera lingers on Nia behind her, who has the same exact expression. (laughs) Just showing you how in sync they are but also not communicating. (laughs) Yeah. And so Nia is coming from a place of like struggling with facing the consequences of her decision in Dreamweaver Mm. to help Nixley out of the dream realm after she was initially trying to run from those consequences. She's now trying to like take responsibility in the way that her mom said, like, you must have the courage to sit with the pain to take in the gravity of what you've done, meaning like process what has happened and, and grow from it and accept responsibility for what will occur because of this decision. But Nia here is very much internalizing the mistake to mean something about who she is, about Mm. like the quality of herself as a person. And she says to Brainy, it's horrible. I'm horrible. Which I found to be an interesting line because it's almost exactly something Kara expressed before when Kara was feeling guilty about Lena in season five. And she said, this is awful. I'm awful. And then Mixie, who was there for the 100th episode, was like, you're awful, (laughs) reflecting back at her that same belief, which was interesting in that episode because it was a subversion upon something we'd seen with Kara before, which was her go, I'm terrible about Lena and that whole situation. And then Alex go like, you're not terrible. <laughs> and I think initially when we watched that episode, it was kind of like maybe Mixie is playing into it because he wants her to see that maybe she's not awful. <laughs> but he may have actually been kind of genuinely absorbing what she was saying <laughs> as fact, which is interesting with regard to this question of Carr's legacy and the impact that she has on others and, and how her beliefs have an effect, which then takes us again back to Nia. Mm-hmm. With regard to this question of taking responsibility and, you know, sitting with the pain, like Nia's mom says, it comes the question of like emotional processing and, and learning from your mistakes as opposed to like rumination, which psychologically speaking, rumination is like obsessive, repetitive thinking or fixating on negative thoughts or feelings and negative past or future <laughs> events. <laughs> and it's characterized by a lack of productive results. So you're falling into the same negative patterns of thinking and not coming out of it with wisdom. You know, you're just kind of stuck. And it becomes a problem when it interferes with your ability to engage in like in daily tasks, concentrate, relate to others and experience positive emotions, which is something that we are seeing with Nia, who takes sitting with the pain a little bit too far and becomes mm. herself fixated on her mistakes and starts acting irrationally, as how Bernie describes it, and, and taking risks. And it prevents her from, you know, <laughs> relating to others because she has now this big secret. And 
It's interesting because rumination is something that Kara is familiar with. She mentioned in the first episode of the season, I was stuck in the Phantom Zone replaying the destruction on my planet for nearly a decade, which is the peak of rumination and also probably hard to not do when you're stuck in a pod alone. But it makes sense for Kara that she may fall back into that from time to time. Rumination is generally a big feature in depression, which Mm. Kara was struggling with in season three. And then in season five, we saw guilts like take over Kara's life where (laughs) a little bit. She could not stop fixating on how she hurt Lena and how she was responsible for how Lena felt and was pretty messed up over it. Yeah. And the important thing there about why she gets so messed up, as you put it, (laughs) is that on the surface, this is a friend dispute, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's her feeling bad that, that she lied to Lena and Lena's mad at her, all of that. But it's also really bound up in Kara's sense that she has to control her whole way of being as an alien. Mm. And that is connected to all of these other times that we've seen her really struggle and get stuck and lost in her thoughts. Mm -hmm. Because Kara's sense of I have to control this is she has to be so mindful all the time of how she communicates to people, how she acts physically in order to protect herself and her friends and family. And in this case with Lena, she thinks she's failed at all of that because Mm -hmm. Lena is angry at her. And she just becomes so consumed by that that she can't move on, essentially. Yeah. I mean, one of the core reasons for ruminating is seeking control. I mean, rumination can serve many purposes. (laughs) Yeah. So one of those can be maintaining feelings because you want to keep experiencing them. And Mm -hmm. a really good negative example of this is actually Lena at the start of season five after she's found out that Kara is Supergirl, where she uses her VR contact lenses to just keep fueling her anger Mm -hmm. on purpose because she knows that if she leaves that VR space and actually interacts with Kara, she'll be inclined to forgive her because Mm -hmm. Kara is her friend and she loves her and she deep down knows that Kara wouldn't have done something like that intentionally Mm -hmm. to hurt her. Yeah, which then takes us back to this idea of like, rumination is characterized by it doesn't help you break out of the way of thinking that you're in like lena does not punch Kara in the face in a vr and then feel better yeah exactly <laughs> she's not letting anger out she's using it to to, to rebuild stoke it. the fire of her anger yeah exactly like if she was using that in like a healthy coping way then she'd be releasing the anger and saying, okay, I'm ready to let it go. And now I can try to have a conversation with Kara. But this is like, I want to avoid it so that I can stay mad at her so that I can get revenge on her Mm -hmm. for a thing that wasn't really her fault. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So some good real life examples of this are behaviors that we tend to associate with social media because it makes it really easy Mm -hmm. to maintain a feeling because when you express a preference for something, algorithms feed you 10 more of that same thing so like doom scrolling is a really good (laughs) example uh hate watching something also a way of maintaining a feeling in perhaps Mm -hmm. not the healthiest way yeah and then in terms of other things that rumination can sort of serve other goals you might have that you think rumination will help with is trying to like atone for something by making oneself suffer and sort of punishing yourself Which, again, then ties into that responsibility, value, and belief. Take Kara and Lena, where Kara felt really guilty in season five. Yeah. 
she kind of let all that guilt drive her every decision, even to the point where she was making choices that she felt uncomfortable with and knew were wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was in this mindset of like atoning for what she did and stayed in that emotional place of like not really ever feeling better about it. Mm. <laughs> and she was not really getting true emotional closure with Lena for a really long time. Until the 100th episode. And then she was like, oh, I should stop doing this. <laughs> yes, correct. And then Nia in this episode is like punishing herself and, you know, sitting with the pain because she feels bad about letting Nixley out. And then there's this other aspect of rumination, which is where one is trying to avoid a negative outcome by preparing or, or planning. And that negative outcome can be related to you personally or a goal or trying not to hurt others. <laughs> and you see it particularly regarding past mistakes or perceived failures or weaknesses, which is a huge thing with Nia, who constantly mm. has you know, been fixated on how she hasn't used her powers in the right way because she wants to be better at it. But she's just staying stuck in that not productive rumination on the failure part and the negative part. So generally, if a sense of responsibility weighs heavily on you as a person, it can be easy to fall into rumination because it feels like the right thing to do, which feels especially important if you feel like you've done something wrong. So then now we have Nia, who is already prone to self doubt and who is looking for a way to atone. Looking at Kara and seeing her be really expressive about how guilty she feels and sort of staying in that space for a fairly prolonged period of time. Kara goes to the balcony to like brood <laughs> and the others follow her and she says, it's my fault. And, and Nia witnesses that. Then later when Nia's like, oh, I'm just sorry that my plan didn't work, basically. Kara's like, don't be sorry. It's not your fault. If anything, it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> and then when Mixie's plan also won't apparently work, Kara's like, oh, I'm just sorry. I got us into this mess. And each time Nia's like, so this is the way to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And this is the place of tension for Kara where her values are kind of in conflict. That sort of tendency of hers to want to self-sacrifice because she feels responsible for others comes up against that stronger together value that she has and that she believes in. We see Kara throughout the series encourage others to take on responsibility, to, you know, step up and be heroes but she sees herself as more responsible for the things mm, yeah. <laughs> in the world than others are for a number of reasons, like the sense that the cosmos have sent her to Earth to do something. Well, yeah. And she survived for a reason. Of course. Her parents told her that. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And then also she just has a lot of power, both socially in terms of like being Supergirl and physically in terms of her capabilities as a person. And it's like Eliza says in Midvale, you have the most wide open heart in the world for other people, but when you feel weak, you punish yourself for it. And this is another place of conflict for Kara's values, which are like compassion for all, which unfortunately has to include herself <laughs> if it is to be complete. <laughs> she doesn't like that part. <laughs> <laughs> no. And when it comes down to it, she sees herself as the one who is supposed to, you know, sacrifice her life, both in terms of like dying if necessary, or like giving up having a happy life. Mm, which she would never encourage for anyone else. No. Yeah. <laughs> she regularly like discourages other people from taking too much like blame, but then she'll divert and be like, actually, it's my fault and, and take it upon herself. But, you know, people admire how she behaves, not just what she says to them. So when she 
pushes herself to make sacrifices, you know, all because she thinks it's the right thing to do. She also encourages other people to make the same kind of sacrifices for better or for worse, like with Nia, who is looking to Kara to know what a real hero does. Like she says in the episode, like, that's not what a real hero would do. (laughs) Worried about how Kara would see her. And then she sees Kara fixate on her failures. So that's what a real hero does. And, you know, Nia is trying to be a little bit more like that, which takes us to one of my favorite lines in terms of Kara's psychology and where there's a bit of tension. In season one, Alex says, they wanted you to be happy. Like, that's why your parents sent you to Earth. And Kara says, no, it's more than that. And we see that throughout the series, an idea that is reflected. Mm. It's not just about me being safe and happy and alive and surviving because they love me. It's more. And then in Nia, a similar kind of idea becomes more intense with Brainy saying, we could have lost you. And Nia saying, doesn't matter. She yells it. I have to stop Nixley. I have to fix this, which is such a Kara energy thing to say, but to an extreme that Kara does not always go to. The sort of, it doesn't matter, Mm. my life. Well, it's also kind of fun because Nia's got this in her head because of the things her mom said to her about how she needs to put everything right. And then Kara's got that same thing from, Mm. that was the last thing her parents said before they died. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, and Kara also said to Nia, remember in season four, like, do what your mom would want you to do. Yeah, or make her proud. Make her proud. But the thing with Nia in this episode is interesting because that's also where Alex was at mentally in episode two of this season with trying to get to the Phantom Zone until Jean had to reel her in and be like, hey, please don't go throwing your life away on risky <laughs> right. stuff because you are so upset and feel like you have to do this right now mm-hmm. with no help. <laughs> yeah. With these very heroic characters, we see this tension of like love of the community, love of each other. And then in order to support that, a, a willingness to disregard the self and how sometimes that can go to an extreme and Kara as this, you know, pillar, <laughs> a paragon of sorts, <laughs> she sets an example for the people around her. And sometimes, like with Nia, it can encourage qualities that can go south and <laughs> can become a bit sour. Mm. But we also see how luckily the positive aspects of Kara's beliefs and values affect the characters and make them stronger as a group, such as, mm. you know, stronger together. And Kara demonstrating to Nia in this episode, forget. Mm, Yeah. So I really liked the way that arc for Nia ultimately culminated with her and Kara, where they had that conversation with each other in this episode. It had this interesting undercurrent to it where Nia's fear of telling the truth felt like it was coming from somewhere deeper than just losing Kara's respect. Mm. Also, the emotional weight of it was very similar to Alex and Kara over Astra. In season one. Right. So first of all, this scene in this episode, I absolutely loved on its own. Just the blocking of it was really cool where they were in that little alcove because, you know, Kara, for all that she loves being around people, she does need her space sometimes, (laughs) Uh, especially when she's upset. (laughs) Yeah. She likes to walk off and be in her own space. It was also beautiful, like lighting. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. It, It was a nice, quiet moment of seeing how well or not Kara has been coping With her Mm -hmm. sense of self-blame ever since she's returned from the Phantom Zone and now found out that Nixley is there. And then second, as I said, it has this similar tone to 
Alex keeping that secret from Kara in season one of how Astra died. Mm -hmm. And both Nia and Alex are intentionally keeping really important information from Kara that they know will hurt her, Mm -hmm. but also that will possibly ruin their relationships with her. Right. And the way, you know, that she sees them. Yeah. And in both situations, there's also a third party involved who knows the secret. Right. But that's where the contrast is. And it's really interesting for figuring out kind of what's up with Nia. Because in season one, Alex wants to tell Kara the truth from the beginning Mm -hmm. because she knows it's the right thing to do. But Jean tells her not to. And Jean, as her mentor, of course, is someone she respects. Mm -hmm. So she takes his advice, even though the real reason he says not to is because he is afraid of what the outcome will be. And it's kind of fun thinking about this idea of, you know, heroes and mentors and how the characters learn from each other. Because Jean's main justification for telling Alex to lie is that he doesn't want it to hurt her relationship with Kara because Alex is Supergirl's hero, he says. Mm -hmm. He says, and I don't want her to see you as anything other than that. Where we've seen throughout the series from season one onward that heroes are not perfect people. They do have flaws. (laughs) They do (laughs) need to communicate with people and putting them on a pedestal is not necessarily a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then we have here in season six, in a kind of similar way, Nia's afraid to tell Kara the truth because she thinks it will ruin their relationship. And Brainy is actually urging her to tell Kara the truth Mm -hmm. instead of keeping it a secret. And that's kind of fun because speaking of mentors and mentees and people who look up to Kara as a hero, Brainy, as we saw when he arrived in season three, was like Kara's number one fan as far as superhero school. <laughs> Super and, uh, school. <laughs> but different from Nia, he's had more time to reflect on his own experience of being manipulated by another person into doing something with major negative consequences, both on himself mm-hmm. and on the people around him. Mm-hmm. And so he is in a place to see that Nia's fear and her sense of self-blame are disproportionate to the gravity of kind of what happened. Right. There's also another neat layer of subtext here in that Nia seems to be so afraid of Kara's rejection for both her mistake of making her bargain with Nixley and for keeping it a secret. Because as we saw in the previous episode, that's what happened with her sister. She kept Mm -hmm. the secret of her powers from Maeve. And then when she told the truth, her sister said a heinously awful thing to her and never spoke to her again. Mm -hmm. And that's such a contrast to, you know, thinking back on how this scene is similar to the scene from season one in Solitude. Kara did not do that with Alex, even though Mm -hmm. Alex did something incredibly personal that was a deep wound. Yeah, And narratively, like in season one, not knowing the full scope of the show and the full depth of Kara as a person, kind of expecting there to be more drama, Mm. more like Kara's betrayed and they stop talking to each other for a few episodes, you know? Yeah. And the other piece of it there is that even though Nia presumably doesn't know all of this, because there's no reason that Kara or Alex would ever talk about it (laughs) Mm -hmm. to her, Kara is also like the most forgiving person on planet Earth. So, so uh, she was sent to Earth to be super forgiving. <laughs> yeah. So it's again a reflection of how Nia is feeling that maybe does not match mm. reality. And then to kind of further the sense that these are sort of parallel in tone, you have in both these scenes from season one and season six, Kara is in the middle of voicing her own feelings when Nia and also Alex from season one just interrupt her because they can't keep letting her suffer and they can't keep the secret in anymore 
And with the scene in Solitude, Alex is just so visibly torn up over what she did and that she kept it from Kara. But mm-hmm. she also explains why she did it. And it's a, a valid reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Kara doesn't consider anything other than, you know, consoling her in that moment. So similarly here with Nia, when she explains what Nixley offered her in exchange for leaving the dream realm, and she mentions that she gets one more day with her mom, you just see Kara lean back and sigh because she gets it a hundred percent. It clicks for her that Nixley has been playing them all. Mm-hmm. And she turns to Nia and says, look, you know, she fooled me, too. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, it's not your fault that she targeted you where you were vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And you also see a little bit Kara let go of some of her own guilt in that piece because, oh, OK, it wasn't just <laughs> me <laughs> who's doing that. But the nice part is that Nia being honest here and expressing her desire to try to fix and resolve the mistake also leads Kara to thinking of another possible solution so that they can mm-hmm. capture Nixley and incorporating Mixie into it because we're going to talk about him as well in a minute. So it's a nice moment of her using that strength of sharing with other people in a right. stronger together way. Yeah. And in terms of like rumination, it is something that breaks her out of just fixating on the negative part and like going to the part of it that is coming up with a solution. Yes. (laughs) And then later in the episode, when Kara starts to (laughs) slip back into blaming herself for what happened with Mixie, Nia then reflects the same kind of argument that Kara did back at her. When Kara initially said, what's important right now is that we learn from our mistakes and we use it to stop her together. And Nia says, we all make mistakes, right? So all we can do now is learn from them and try to move forward, which, you know, that piece of reflecting Kara's values back at her and reminding her, hey, this also applies (laughs) to you is super helpful. (laughs) Yeah. And is a way that, you know, even though Kara's like legacy and her beliefs as imparted upon other people can have negative effects, we generally see it balance out to be positive in the end, which takes us to Mixie mm. and his piece in this episode yes. where we see this value of responsibility and how it for Mixie serves to facilitate togetherness and that sort of stronger together goal that we mm-hmm. see that Mixie has when he first appears in the show in season two. He initially approaches Kara because he admires her. (laughs) Uh, He says, there's no one like you where I'm from, Kara. No woman is strong or independent or as beautiful or as brave or as bold, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of like a gross, like, I saw that you're cool and you will now be mine, you know? Yeah. But there is a genuine piece in there that we see toward the end of the episode when Kara is tricking Mixie so that she can send him back to the fifth dimension. And there are a couple of things that Mixie can't prevent someone from doing, and that is killing oneself. And so Kara is tricking him by saying that she's going to kill herself. And he says, just don't kill yourself. The world needs Supergirl. And there's a bit of like Hmm. genuine respect for her and acknowledgement that she is an important person apart from like what she can do for him personally. 
And then, you know, when he's being sent away, he said, I just wanted someone to love me. Mm. And in season five, when Mixie comes back, he reflects back on that time by saying, before I met you, I was pretty lonely. And in that pain, I would tend to sort of force myself on people. So he is a character is seeking out connection. And so when he meets Kara, Kara's example gives him this message. Over his three episodes that he has, he learns that having friends and a team and a community and that connection that he's seeking means that you hold yourself accountable for what happens to others and you help others and you help each other and you make sacrifices and there are no like shortcuts <laughs> to having that connection. And for Mixie, he starts that journey with accountability and atonement. Yeah. One thing I really liked about that conclusion to Mixie's arc throughout the series was his gradual recognition of his own involvement in what we find out is a toxic political system in the fifth dimension and that he acknowledges that he participated in the system in a way that it hurt others, even if he didn't mean to do it at the time. Mm. And that was actually a big piece of some of the journeys for characters in season two that was never really explicitly dealt with. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to see it come up again here. Yes. The other part of it is that that recognition from Mixus Pitlick is really important and relevant to everything else that's happening this season. Mm -hmm. And that has been happening in this second act of season six. And it emphasizes the really key point that intent does not excuse impact. You know, you can have all the reasons in the world for why you did what you did, but if it hurt someone else, mm -hmm. that's it. Like, it doesn't matter what your intent was. And we see in season five and here that Mixie does a lovely job of taking responsibility for his actions and the ways that they harmed people and figures out how to make meaningful amends for the things he did that personally affected people. Like when he tells Kara he's been going around to everyone that he ever, like, <laughs> imp stalked, I guess, uh, <laughs> and offers to help her with something because he wants to apologize for the way he treated her in season two. And mm -hmm. then we see in this episode him recognizing that he made a choice as an actor in a bigger system that mm. still had an incredibly negative impact, not just on one person, but on like society at large. Mm. And he wants to correct that somehow, yes. which he then successfully does, at least from what we know right now. Right. Yeah. And this connects to this sort of value that he has adopted of helping people and being useful. In this episode, he struggles with finding a way to do so without his magic, like at all, you know, mm. yes. <laughs> wanders around, doesn't have any practical skills. Uh, <laughs> and he's seeking that feeling that he expressed in the 100th episode of out there with you today, saving the world. I felt like I was liked for being me. I felt like I had friends and, and it being about who he is as opposed to his tricks or in this episode, shortcuts like magic. And it's interesting with relation to Kara as a sort of mentor for him in that way, where Kara in season one in the flashback when she has the interview with Kat says to her, I just want to be useful to somebody. Mm, yeah. I want to be worthwhile. And Kat's like, and you're not worthwhile. And she says, I haven't done anything to prove it. And this piece of like your actions and your choices saying something about who you are as a person, and in this case, a positive way of making positive choices where we can see that become a bit twisted up with Nia and not being able to move forward from the decision she already made. But with Mixie, we also see him seek out that feeling of being useful and being liked for who he is in making a sacrifice. He sort of proves his value as a person by making a decision to sacrifice himself and 
uphold the values that he's acquired, that value of responsibility toward each other, like how Kara and the super friends are protecting Mixie. They feel responsibility mm. toward him and his safety. Kara's <laughs> like, don't worry, nobody puts Mixie in a crystal on our watch. <laughs> yeah. And they refuse to offer him up to Nixley to you know, summon him, even as their lives are in danger and they are like seconds from dying. <laughs> and Nixley's like, you really think that imp is worth dying for? He wouldn't do the same for you. Suffer total annihilation. Obviously trying to manipulate him into coming. <laughs> but it is an effective argument because that's the thing that Nixley's trying to atone for. Mm, yeah. The way that he was self-serving with Nixley and in other situations. And in terms of these values that is upholding by making the sacrifice, we have consequences and accepting them, such as we saw in the 100th episode where Kara learned to accept the consequences of her choice with Lena. And like, there's no scenario where there won't be any. I just have to accept the fact that they exist. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and Mixie says to Kara, like, I've been avoiding any consequences and now I'm about to have some. <laughs> and he's okay with that. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. And then there's this other value that he's upholding that he learned from Kara, which is people can change and they can be saved. You know, he witnesses, obviously, Kara giving a second chance to him. <laughs> but then also with Lena, she tries over and over again to fix their relationship in the 100th episode. He witnessed that conversation probably that she had in the 100th episode with Manel about her mm. giving him second chance and how he's grown. And now in this episode, in season six, he sees Kara trying to give Nixley a hundred chances <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> you know, try to persuade her. And he witnesses how she's willing to trust, even though it is risky. And so when Mixie is sacrificing himself, he says to Supergirl, no, when she tries to use the Phantom Zone projector, when she's about to finally do it, I've got this. And he says, stronger together, which is what she had said to Nixley a minute ago you know, directly reflecting that value back at her and keeping her from having to write Nixley off and instead making the decision, I'll be the one who is sacrificed, probably in a way atoning for the way that he played a part in her being sent to the Phantom Zone in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for Kara, you know, witnessing the way that her influence has affected people, it plays upon that fear that we talked about, that Phantom Zone fear of like who she is and what she believes hurts other people. Mm, yeah. That deep-seated, series-long fear that she tries to avoid. <laughs> and this isn't the first time that someone has adopted her values and then paid the price, like we saw in season three with Livewire. Mm, yeah. Leslie initially resisted caring about people, like, generally. Yeah. <laughs> and she called Kara's, like, want to appeal to rain Pollyanna BS. <laughs> but Kara, over time, you know, over their interactions throughout the seasons, chipped away at Leslie and her beliefs and ultimately leading to Leslie sacrificing her life to save Kara, who she the whole time had said, like, I don't even care about you and I don't care about like other people either but she's saying like stop attacking my friends mm, yeah this is actually an interesting point in connection to the whole storyline that we've had in this second act of season six with like recidivism and mm. treatment of criminals because part of the reason that Leslie was able to change was that Kara let her go yeah and then kept an eye on her to make sure she didn't do anything bad but she also just watched to see how she changed mm -hmm. rather than forcing a change or keeping her locked in in a particular way yeah this is true but then there's that sort of regret that Kara has with regard to 
when she makes a decision to try to reach somebody and it doesn't go well and people get hurt where, you know, she says in season three, I should have been able to reach it, meaning that part of Rain that like was visibly accessible, like there's some humanity in there. And Gar says, and maybe if I did reach it, Leslie would still be alive. And Manal says, yeah, I know the feeling leading people into battle and not bringing them home. It's hard. And there's that piece of like the weight of being a leader, meaning you have an impact upon the people who you affect. And sometimes that leads to them making sacrifices that you wish they didn't have to, or you wish, you know, you were the one who would make the sacrifice instead. But, you know, in terms of Kara's legacy, like Kara's parents just coming back into her life and being like, hey, actually, we wanted you to be happy, doesn't prevent Kara from upholding the values as they initially were imparted. And just how they can't prevent that from having negative effects on her. Kara can't control the ways that the values that she encourages in others take on a life of their own within them. I really like how you phrased that because it's essentially death of the author, but like <laughs> death of the superhero <laughs> in, in a not literal way. In a not literal way, in a metaphorical way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, related to that piece that you've enjoyed, like with relation to season four and how Lockwood was attempting to be a leader of a movement in the ways that it becomes no longer about you if you do it right. Mm -hmm. It becomes about the things you believe in. But that also means you don't get to say, you know, exactly how people live their lives within those values. Yeah. And that's something we've seen Kara struggle with for a lot of the series. If you think back to even the beginning of season three with the cult, mm. where she tried to kind of take control back over what they were doing by like if you're worshiping me as a god then you need to listen to me and they were like nah we don't <laughs> no, yeah, we don't need to listen to you yeah. yes she has to instead attack their beliefs about her as opposed to being like no just do what i say yeah <sighs> speaking of attacking people and or their beliefs <laughs> and then we have nixley who was definitely not a mentee of course <laughs> this episode no Although she sort of portrayed herself as someone who could be in her first appearance, where she's sort of learning from Kara emotional lessons and like being encouraged by her in the Phantom Zone. And then cut to now where she's like, nah, I don't, I don't need to be stronger <laughs> together. I'd rather just, you know, just me. Thanks. <laughs> but there's an interesting situation where Nixley's kind of like a mentor with Mitch. Because <laughs> she says, let me help you with something far more valuable, a Lesson, those you think are close to you would just soon betray you and leave you locked away. And Mitch tries like a stronger together type appeal where he's like, we can still help each other, but it doesn't work. Mm. Well, it doesn't work, <laughs> but it does when he starts being kind of shrewd and underhanded and awful in the same way that Nixley is saying all people are. Right. In that he rescues her, not because he cares about her as a person, but because he now <laughs> sees a value to her again as a captive or as an object that mm -hmm. he can use to get what he wants, which is he's realized that now he can live a life for himself in all <laughs> his criminal glory instead of needing to win the love and approval of Naxim. So I, I guess that's progress in a way. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting in the ways that Mitch using that more manipulative, pessimistic 
worldview that Nixley was like, this is the right way to be, may come back to bite Nixley. <laughs> Relating to the idea of you don't get to control the way that the ideas that you support take life in another person. This is true. And speaking of you don't have any control over what happens next. <laughs> We see that Mitch agrees to this deal with Nixley where she'll give him what he wants in exchange for him helping her. And we all know that this will backfire because A, we've already seen it with Nia and B, that's just what happens when people meddle with magic to cheat at getting what they want. Look, I have been preparing myself by consuming all kinds of witch-based media this week. I am ready for anything that's coming next. Uh, <laughs> I've been preparing all my life. That's right. <laughs> you enjoy things with witches in them. Also, this was the whole point in the second Wonder Woman movie where like all the people made their wishes and then realized that they were destroying the world. So, uh, <laughs> yes. So uh, we'll see if Mitch manages to uh, subvert his fate somehow. So that wraps up our topic for the episode. We also, of course, have little observations and things we found interesting as well. Yeah, so this is still developing and there's not quite enough to do a whole topic on it yet. But there's been this interesting motif occurring with the use of shackles and locking in people's selves or their power mm -hmm. in some way. It started last season with Brainy and the inhibitors and him finally breaking free of those. Right. And it's continued with our introduction to Nixley this season where she was shackled and then seeing the power dampeners on the, the little kids at the foster home and then also mm -hmm. the alien prisoners. And then we also had it in the B storyline in this episode with Lena and learning that her mom was so afraid of her own power that she ended up going to Lionel Luther as an external way of having herself be controlled. Mm -hmm. Yes. So... They're definitely weaving in the power theme, but also the symbolism of things that prevent us from accessing power. Yes. Which, with regard to like prisoners mm. and shackles or cuffs, is really, I think, fitting and a good choice in terms of the history of the show with like Fort Ross and the Phantom Zone, the DEO, and Kara as a person who tries primarily to, when faced with a villain, help them and, and mm, try yeah. to appeal to them in contrast with her mother, that legacy that she left behind. There's a rich sort of history there and it's fitting for the final season. And it's also nice in terms of the social issues the way that it is not just a like one-off social issue of the week thing, but mm, yeah. something that is deeply connected to the heart of the show. Yeah. So I'm excited to see kind of where that goes. And then mm -hmm. speaking of witch-based media, <laughs> <laughs> I had said that so far the second act of season six has leaned hard into Into the Woods kind of symbolism, which is a musical based on fairy tale characters for those of you who maybe are familiar with the movie version. Mm -hmm. But this episode was a really nice subversive example of the song called Your Fault, except it was my fault hour. And uh, everyone was overly taking responsibility for things instead of deflecting blame onto each other. Like, no, it's my fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It isn't yours at all. Yeah. Yes. And then other little thing. We sometimes talk about Alex's representation as a lesbian. And the impact that that has. And there's a brief moment in this episode where I really appreciated the subversion of lesbian stereotypes. Because <laughs> Alex saw a giant cat 
and immediately pulled out a rocket launcher to destroy it, which... As a lesbian, you would think it would be really difficult to attack a cat, but she seemed willing. And I find that really powerful and moving that she is marking her own path. You know, she's she's being what is she's being true to herself right now. <laughs> Although you are valid. Thank you. It is a little bit of a stereotype. Yeah, I mean, so. yeah. I just appreciated it for her. It's also, if you think about it, a little bit disturbing knowing that Kara had a cat as a child. (laughs) (laughs) Alex is like, no, I only like dogs. Alex's real feelings about Streaky. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Real feelings about Streaky. (sighs) And then we have another segment from Vivi. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're going to do a Rate My Fashion Part 2 Accessory Edition for this week (laughs) because... uh, We still had a lot of like in the super suits. So the outfits in particular were not maybe so stand out, but everyone did have a good little accent piece worth Mm -hmm. noting. So I will start with Nia because uh, her guilt was heavy, but her hair was fabulous. (laughs) Her hair is so big because it's filled with guilt. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of her being Kara's mentee, she had a lovely Kara inspired French braid going on for a decent portion of this episode, which I will give a 15 out of 10. Because it just looked so awesome. Mm -hmm. And then speaking of other fun accents to the outfit, we had Andrea, who was rocking some goth girl glossy black nail polish during her Mm -hmm. phone call with Lena. So uh, a plus choice. We give that like a, a 12 out of 10. Nice. Good job. Oh, and then speaking of black and maybe like a little bit of that goth influence, we had Nixley. Oh, Nixley in Nixley. this episode who was fully committed to being a female Jack Sparrow <laughs> in outfit and demeanor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But specifically, I want to call out for accessorizing her beautiful like black coal eyes that she had going on mm. to really fully commit to that space magic pirate aesthetic. <laughs> Uh, so like 13 out of 10 for 13. all of Nixley's just general being. Nixley is like a 16 out of 10 for me. Oh, wow. Right. I forgot. She's like your new sleeper favorite. So uh. <laughs> sleeper. I, the villain. Lo- I just can't. It's it's very good, especially because she's been kind of in this like drab, like mm. Phantom Zone attire for True. several episodes. And then she's like, no, I, I've got some looks. <laughs> just you wait. That's fair. Let's see. To follow that up, Kara was in her super suit for this entire episode, which like we could have a whole separate conversation about what that says about Kara's identity as Kara. Mm. But uh, I do, as an accessory, want to point out her her leaning post, the uh, the mm-hmm. beautiful staircase that she found to kind of hide away against because it mm-hmm. was just such a pretty scene. Yeah. It's like how Nia's guilt enhanced her hair, <laughs> improves her hair. Kara's guilt, you know, really set the scene, <laughs> highlighted her super suit. It's true, but also really important. Like the stairs were strong enough to support her physically and emotionally. <sighs> so I want to give them like a 15 out of 10. Wow. Jean knew what he was about when he designed that space. <laughs> All right. And then we, we have Alex. So Alex in this episode was doing like her comfort clothes, which like nice to see. But in terms of her accessories, we had a science Alex doing some science using beautiful blue sterile gloves. Science gloves. (laughs) Science gloves. This has been a point of contention occasionally with Alex fans that we don't get to see her doing as much practical sciencey stuff. And so mm-hmm. she did in this episode and she was even wearing appropriate gear. So 13 out of 10 for Alex. Oh, good job, Alex. 
We like safety. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Lena. This is Lena adjacent. Mm-hmm. I want to give, speaking of accessories, a shout out to Lena's beautiful flashback wig. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to break it to you guys because I saw a lot of complaints about the wig. But um, the hair in the 90s was just like that. <laughs> I consulted my fifth grade yearbook picture just to make sure that I was remembering this correctly. And those bangs, man, Aww. the bangs were a thing. The like weird frizziness. It was mm-hmm. uh, it was a thing of beauty. That and like the sepia tone. It just really captured. <laughs> That's just how the 90s were. It was just sepia it, tone. Yeah, it captured that turn of the 21st century vibe that you mm-hmm. might have seen in 90s witch movies. So, mm-hmm. which I cycle can speak to at length. As so, I can speak to. I don't know. Do you want to assess your score on Lena's mom witch vibe accessories? Lena's mom witch vibe. That gets a three out of three for the power of three. <laughs> She's changed the scoring system. Which is, which is why I have magic. So I can do what I want. <laughs> it's the lesson of this episode. Well, I was going to say she's changed the scoring system, which feels right for Lena. Uh, <laughs> right. right. Correct. And speaking of which, <laughs> I can make puns too, Cycles. <laughs> Didn't I make that pun in Discord before you? Maybe you did. Lena, we didn't talk about in the main content of this episode, but like, I guess she finally got her Hogwarts letter. Congrats to her. (laughs) I am kind of curious to see how this is going to fit into the show's overall commentary on power because it Mm -hmm. felt like a kind of weird turn in a way. You might say. Well, so like on the one hand, it's fascinating because the character who's like the least interested in the the supernatural fantasy elements of the show (laughs) is now stuck dealing with them. So like that part (laughs) could be cool. But on the other hand, Lena is one of the characters for whom these questions of real world social and economic power are incredibly relevant. And they have been chronically under addressed when it comes Mm -hmm. to her character and the things that she has done and the impact that it's had on other people. Yeah. So then her getting like a physical power now is kind of uncomfortable, especially given (laughs) season four, her trying to literally give humans powers and that being (laughs) not helpful. To kind of go back to the idea that, you know, magic can't be used as a cheat to not do the hard work of things. (laughs) Yeah. She tried to use science as a cheat there, but yeah. But on the other hand, I kind of am also hoping that she'll eventually get her dragon-fueled flying chariot to fully complete her Medea experience uh, (laughs) that she's talked about with such fondness in season three. So, (laughs) Yes, and you have as well. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I I speak about it fondly every day. Look, every Luther has their Greek mythology character Mm -hmm. that they feel some kinship with. And now Lena finally has her moment to really embrace it. She's, yeah. I can't wait. (laughs) It's going to be a journey, that's for sure. (laughs) I like how sure you are that there's going to be a flying chariot. There's definitely going to be more. We already had a dragon. Lena's going to tame Nixley's dragon. (laughs) It's going to be like a weird Game of Thrones thing. Anyway. Anyway. Also, I can't wait to find out who Lena is going to tap to start her coven because we all know that witches only appear in threes in this show. So we've got Andrea and I don't know who the third one's going to be. Maybe they'll bring back Sam. Or, um, yeah. Or, <laughs> or uh, someone. Nia. Or Nia somebody, can be the third somebody. one. Nia's <laughs> got dream powers. That's sort of the same. Dream powers. We got shadow. We got dream. And we have whatever the heck Lena does. <laughs> intensity. Intensity. The power of intense thought. 
So that wraps up this episode of Supergirl's Attic. Next week, we have Blind Spots, the much anticipated episode co written by Ozzy Tesfai, aka Kelly Olson. Yes. And Jay Holtham, who is another writer. And it will be directed by David Ramsey, who is also guest starring. There's a lot happening. Yeah. And it'll be the official introduction of Kelly's Guardian suit. Mm-hmm. which will be super exciting. It's based on the comic one with the gold. Yeah, which I am ahead of time giving a 1,000 out of 10 <laughs> fashion right. rating. So what Cycles is saying is we're going to have a rate my superhero outfit discussion <laughs> at some point and Perhaps. that Kelly is just going to win. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, there's also the Supergirl suit. So I know. What will you tough. do? You have to choose your favorite. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> And then, as usual, if you have any feedback or questions for us, you can send them to us at Supergirls Attic on Tumblr, Twitter, or Instagram. And thanks for listening.